Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Episode is airing on Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon coming to you from a nest of cats. I am currently curled up here with one cat on either side of me and another one behind my head. So, this is like the perfect way to chat about books. So, today's episode will feature an interview with author Sharon C. Cooper where we discuss her latest release, In It to Win It. We also talk about romantic suspense in general, why it's great. We talk about diversity in romance and lots of other fabulous things. So definitely give that a listen. And then of course, stay tuned for our discussion of some of this week's new releases. And there are quite a few that I am super excited to tell you about. So. Let's get into the housekeeping information, and then we'll get started. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Sharon C. Cooper, and we are here to discuss her release, In It to Win It, which is scheduled to release here in the U.S. on December 13th. Sharon, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Can we start with a brief introduction to In It to Win It so that listeners have a little bit of an idea what to expect if they haven't read the blurb or seen any early reviews? Okay. Um, In It to Win It is, I won't say it's necessarily a spinoff, but it follows one of the characters in my first romantic comedy, um, Business Not As Usual. And in this particular story, uh, we journey with Morgan Redford. If your readers have read uh, Business Not As Usual, they met her through that story. She's the sister, the little sister of the hero in that that particular book. Anyway, she's uh, been known or been described as spoiled or, you know, real prissy. Um, her family wants her to go one route in her career, but she wants to kind of um, pave her own path, I guess you could say. 
Her parents are very well off. Her father's an A-list actor. So she has never wanted for anything in all of her life. But she has a heart um, to help those who are less fortunate. And she's tried different businesses. Most were epic fails. But oh. this time she um this time she partnered with one of her best friends and they started a nonprofit organization. Um, that helps young adults who have aged out of foster care. A lot of times people don't realize that once children turn 18, they can no longer be in a foster care uh, program. And so um, they have, you know, started this organization where they um, provide some housing and they provide um, help with the the, I keep wanting to call them kids, but technically they're young adults. Um, help them find jobs or get into school, find scholarships. That's what the nonprofit organization is about. The problem is the the need is greater than what she and her her best friend can um, provide. One of the issues that they have is not enough housing for these young people. So they have found this property. And in going into business or starting this nonprofit with her best friend, um, Morgan agreed that she wouldn't use any of her her own money, that they would raise the money and, you know, find funding elsewhere. And so she, um, so one way around it, she's decided that she's going to buy a commercial property that can house their offices, that can house up to a hundred church or young adults. <laughs> and, uh, but the problem is this property that she has identified is absolutely perfect. It's in the perfect part of Hollywood to where um, the kids will have a place to live and they'll have easy access to um, jobs, you know, around. Anyway, the, the person selling the property, he's this um, eccentric billionaire it happens to be friends of the family. So she's thinking, oh, there's no way he's not going to sell it to me since it's for sale. But he um, he has other plans, basically. And in the process of or her going through the process of what he's, <laughs> there's been over, I feel like I'm rambling. I'm sorry. There's over okay. 20, <laughs> there's like several people who have bid on this property, this, you know, it's like prime real estate. And several people have uh, bid on it, including um, Morgan's ex, which she doesn't know until they run into each other. So that part Oops. is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And so this billionaire, he's not just selling it because it's not just about the money for him. It holds the, the property holds, um, it's, it's very special to him. So he wants He's doing things very differently, let's just say. So it's, it's a fun story, very fun story. Um, even when she runs into her ex, who she ghosted, um, her ex is Drake. I love him. He was such a fun, fun, and um, he was a fun character to write. Uh, he's pretty, he's, he's like the dream man, you know, very responsible, wealthy, um, he's raised his twin siblings since they were two years old. They're 14 now. And he's just like this 
this renaissance man and he's like opposite of her you know she's a little she's adventurous high strung you know kind of fly by the seat of her pants he's very rigid has, oh. a, has his whole future planned out and so it's it's definitely an opposite subtract and second chance romance and it's such a fun story though so I have to say that when I first started reading this I was a little bit worried that the romance was going to be between Morgan and the the billionaire guy (laughs) and I was just like oh I don't know like I don't know if I can (laughs) if I can get into that and then the scene you know, happens where you, you see her ex for the first time. That's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like maybe, that's, <laughs> maybe that's how it's going to go. That'll be better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That would definitely be an age gap. Um, yeah. You... And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, it, it could be like, you never, you know, really know what people that, are do. That's I true. Like, oh. I mean, there's something for everybody out there. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's like in his eighties. I think he's like her grandfather's age. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like what is she like how how is this gonna work? And then I realized, you know, pretty quickly that that wasn't actually what we were doing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also really loved kind of the the foster care angle because I think a lot of people, as you said, do not know yeah. what happens for young people when they're no longer part of the foster system. Right, right. And I think it's kind of cool the things that you can like put into a novel that, you know, it's not necessarily intended to like teach you something per se, but you do learn things just from, you know, reading and kind of speculating, like, how would this be in yeah, real life? Exactly, exactly. And I usually try to put something like that in every novel um, just to bring awareness. You know, some things mm-hmm. we just don't, we, we don't think about it, you know. Right. Like if it doesn't necessarily like affect your life, you don't exactly. sit there and say, hmm, I wonder. Right, right, right. Exactly. You know, maybe you do if it's brought to your attention, but maybe you don't. Right. <laughs> so I would love to know kind of about your path to becoming a published author. Was writing something that you always knew you wanted to do? Or like, was it kind of a a happy surprise? Like, how did that come about for you? Yeah, it definitely was a happy surprise. Um, My, I always say my life started, I was a sheet metal worker for 10 years. Um, After high school, I worked construction. And well, I should say I was a sheet metal worker by trade. I went through an apprenticeship and assumed because the pay was fabulous and was doing something I enjoyed. Um, but while I um, um, went through my apprenticeship for sheet metal, I also um, went to school part-time to get my degree in business management and with the minor communication. And so writing definitely was not, um, I never considered <laughs> writing <laughs> at all. You know, I did, uh, when I ran a couple of businesses, I did a little grant writing, but outside of that, never thought about writing fiction or, or anything for that matter. And, um, maybe about now, you know, what, 30, 35 years later, I, um, had an opportunity or I wouldn't need to say an opportunity. I had an idea, 
um, to write a short story and it was called, um, but I washed my hands yesterday. <laughs> yeah. One of the businesses I um, ran was for uh, one of my, uh, our family business, a very large, well, not some very large, we're pretty large childcare center. And you'd be amazed at, you know, some of the stuff the kids say. And so <laughs> that idea sparked, but I washed my hands yesterday and there was a, such a cute story with germs and, and and the likes. Anyway, it didn't sell as a as a book, but um, an author friend of mine mentioned that I should consider turning it into a play, a children's play. Oh, so I turned it into a children's play, and it sold within a week of me sending it out. And so that's kind of started my like, hmm, maybe something to this writing thing. But I know I didn't want to write children's book. And I was an avid romance reader. Love. You didn't want to write about germs forever? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Actually, I probably could come up with quite a few stories, though. <laughs> but no, I didn't want to go that route. And so after reading so many uh, romance novels, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll try my hand at a romance novel. And as they say, you know, 10 years later, the rest is history. <laughs> so I've been writing for 10 years and I write uh, contemporary romance, romantic suspense, and um, dabbling a little bit in romantic comedy. Well, you know, romance, I feel like there is something in romance for so many different types oh, yeah. of reader. Yeah. And for people who are looking for like more of that, you know, mystery thriller kind of angle, romantic suspense works so well. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. like your like sci-fi and fantasy, there's all the like paranormal stuff that exists in romance, right. historicals. There's just so many different things. And I'm always so happy to hear when people talk about, you know, their, their journey to romance and how like it ends up being, you know, the thing that they, they love not only to read, but to write. Yeah, exactly. And you're guaranteed a happily ever after. And who doesn't need that these days, you know? It's so, true. <laughs> it is so true. So is there a certain trope in terms of romance that you either love to write or that you would love to write that you haven't yet? I love, love, love second chance romances and friends to lovers. Those are my two favorite. Um, I just, I just love those. <laughs> I love reading them. I love writing them. Um, yeah, those would be my two favorite, um, especially second chance romances. And is there a trope that like maybe you would like to write someday that it feels kind of maybe like a little bit more of a challenge for right now, but that hmm. could, you know, work for you in the future? I wouldn't mind writing a secret baby trope. The only thing is I usually try with all of my stories to make them unique. Um, be that, ah, uh -huh. you know, even though it might have a trope, there's going to be something, there's going to be a twist, there's going to be something unique about it even if there is a you know identified trope in the story right um but I had it I wrote a, a secret baby sort of story and um but I really would like to to try my hand at a for real trope with the secret baby trope um, but it would have to be something unique and something different and that one 
it's been done so much. I would really have to dig deep to find something a little different. I think I kind of found it with one of my uh, romantic suspense where there is a secret baby, but not, it doesn't come about to like, um, like our typical trope, um, secret baby. Ah. Yeah. So yeah, there are, I remember, especially like in the romances of the nineties, um, there were a lot of like secret baby or, yeah. you know, unexpected pregnancy that kind of, yeah you know, falls in and people like don't know how to handle that. Right. Um, I haven't seen as much of it lately. Yeah, they're still out there. <laughs> are they? They are. Okay. I, I haven't run across any, and not saying that there's not any out there, but I haven't run across any that are just so unique, but mm-hmm. still, you know, the way that that particular trope is like, you know, front and center. Sure. So I'm going to you know. It happens like in different ways. Sometimes like they don't find out until the kid's like a teenager. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or was it one night stand or yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you had mentioned that Morgan is the sister of a character from one of your previous books. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. what about Morgan sort of made you decide that she was a character that you wanted to write about as a protagonist? Um, to be honest, she wasn't my first choice. <laughs> she oh. wasn't my first choice. From, I knew I wanted to pull one of the characters from that first story because the story was well-received. The, the secondary characters were so much fun. And readers asked about, you know, will this person get a story? Will that person get a story? Um, And Morgan, though she wasn't my first choice, I thought she'd be interesting um, to write as a follow-up story to that first one. I don't know. I want to say spinoff story, but it's not really a spinoff. But some of the characters from Business Not As Usual do make appearances in um, in it to win it. Um, and so I thought she would be interesting. She was, um, it was easy to come up with a story for her just because she was just, just different. Well, you know what? She was probably just different than I am, basically. <laughs> so, so I found her fascinating in that sense. It's like, oh, I could do something with her, you know? But yeah, she wasn't my first choice, but she definitely was my second choice. And once I came up with a story, then I just kind of ran with it. So for people who may have read some of your previous work, who would be like, who was your first choice? My first choice was Dreamy. Dreamy um, and Carter were the main characters in Business Not As Usual. Dreamy um, lived with her cousin. Her cousin was a slick talking um, a little, she wasn't as bubbly as dreamy and she was um, in law school. And so she was this up and coming. She was going to be this real badass lawyer. Oops, sorry. She was going to be it's this okay. daddy, basically lawyer who, you know, take on the world. Um, and I think I could have done a lot with her character, but with Morgan, I liked some of the ideas that were coming that I had for her. And so because of the timing and when the story was, you know, needed to be done, 
Mm-hmm. That's how I went with Morgan. But for some reason, I cannot remember the name of the cousin. Oh, I don't know. Well, I guess it's a good thing you didn't write about her then. Yeah. I, I, it's like one of those temporary, you know, moments where you just oh, have yes. that mental block. And it's like, hold on, why is it that I can't remember the cousin's name? Yeah. Well, you know, if you've written a lot of characters, I'm guessing it would be um, a little hard. And I think I've written five books since that one. So that might have something to do with Jordan. Her name was Jordan. That's it. I'm like, I knew it started with a J. Yeah. (laughs) So when you're plotting, like regardless of it's kind of a a follow-up story or something, you know, completely different. Do you see like a character first or is it a plot idea that comes to you first? Usually the characters in their careers are the first thing I see. Or I don't know why, but their careers and the uh, just bits and pieces about their personality is usually what I see first. And so once once I kind of know the character and usually I have like an inspiration inspirational mm-hmm. um like for Morgan um the actress uh, Yara Shahidi she was my inspiration for Morgan she was one of the characters on Blackish then she went off to college ah yes yeah she was uh, my inspiration for Morgan and for Drake um Lance Gross oh, love him he was my inspiration for Drake. So once I started picturing them together and I knew a little bit about Morgan's background, I had to build Drake a little bit because mm-hmm. um, he wasn't introduced in the first book. And then um, because I knew Morgan, the plot came, you know, a little bit after. But once I had to usually... Oh, this is a good question, but usually I think the characters and their careers are usually what comes to me first. And then I build a plot around that. Yeah. Which is kind of- I love yeah. how different everyone's like writing yeah. process is. <laughs> and most of us don't really think about how we, you know, we just do it. Right. <laughs> it's just somebody ask. <laughs> no, I suppose that's true. Like if you're doing something every day, you're not necessarily sitting here saying, okay, so this is my process first. I must yeah. do this. Then this other part has to come. Exactly. We just, we just do it. So yeah. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and okay. talk about the kinds of things that you read. I know you've mentioned that you've had kind of a long love of romance. So would you say that you are exclusively a romance reader or do you kind of dip in and out of various genres? What does what your reading life look like? I'd say 98% of the time I'm reading a romance and the majority of those are romantic suspense or ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love romantic suspense. Um, I do read nonfiction. Um, sometimes I'll read crafts books in between uh, projects, or I'll read, um, what else do I read? Like right now I'm reading a book on um, day trading, you know, whatever interest, like, oh, <laughs> I wonder 
holidays. <laughs> I don't even you know, know what you yeah. think about that. <laughs> Sometimes it's really random, you know. <laughs> I know like nothing about day trading. Nothing. Yeah, me either. Until I <laughs> well, started reading this book. <laughs> that, that will change when you <laughs> right. As you continue yeah. reading. <laughs> but the Do majority of the time, I'll pick up a romance though. Just to break up the monotony of life, you know. <laughs> that, that's fair. Do you remember what the book was that made you fall in love with romance as a genre? I know the book that made me fall in love with romantic suspense, but I didn't like romantic suspense right away. The one that made me fall in love with romantic suspense was um, Beverly Jenkins. She written a couple of... Yes. Uh, She's written a couple of romantic suspenses. One, I can picture it. I want to say it was Midnight. Midnight something. Or maybe it was just Midnight. I think it is just Midnight. Yeah. But it's an older book. And I just happened to run across it. And it was like, hmm, I didn't know Beverly Jenkins wrote romantic suspense. And then I saw, of course, I had to read it. <laughs> yes. So that's, I know that. Uh, was my made me fall in love with romantic suspense probably Frances Ray or Brenda Jackson my one of their books probably since they um have been writing or Frances Ray was you know one mm-hmm. of the first kind of her and Brenda um were you know when looking for African-American romance that right that was what was available years ago you know and so I would say probably one of theirs that really probably like, hmm, I should try this, you know. But I was reading way bef- way longer than before I uh, started writing romance. Yeah. So how do you feel about kind of the African-American romance that's out there now? Like, do you think that people have come kind of a long way toward expanding that? Um, if you still think we have like, you know, a ways to go, kind of how do you, how do you see that looking? You know, I definitely um, think it has come a very long way. And there's just so many different types of romance. There's something for everyone, you know, whether you want, you know, the damsel in distress <laughs> or the historical romance, there's so much oh, yes. available. Uh, but I do, I really do think there's still a way, um, we still have a ways to go because, and this is just my opinion, I don't know if everyone who might not look like me will pick up a book, you know, with the African-American couple on the front cover. Whereas, you know, because, you know, we were reading well before we saw people that looked like us on the cover, we're, you know, a lot of us will pick up any book as long as it's good. Right. Um, So in that sense, I think we have a ways to go um, because a lot of people won't give us, you know, a chance. And keep in mind, that's just my opinion. No, I, I, I don't have any documentation or anything to back that up, but. No, I, I think that's fair. I think, yeah. you know, people gravitate toward often anyway, what is like, what seems familiar to them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what feels representative of their own lives, at least right. in some way. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things in romance that I hope aren't representative of you know, people's lives in, right. in modern day. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, there's, there's something about specific books that pull people in. And I think 
as a white woman, you know, it's something that I have made an effort to, to expand that I don't just, you know, pay attention to like perhaps the, the books that booksellers are pushing or books that get a lot of like early buzz. You know, I try to pay attention to things that maybe a little bit outside the sphere of what I would normally pick up. And I think if people can make a conscious effort to do that, it, it does expand not only your, yeah, like not only your knowledge of the world, but just the amount of books that you Mm -hmm. can pick up and fall in love with. Yeah. And just the creativity, you know, just, you know, especially with a, a lot of people don't still don't read indie authors for, for their own, you know, reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, think they're probably missing out because, you know, with the indie author, they can be as creative as they want without as many, you know, um, uh, boundaries that they might, you know. Right. They're not, um, they're not caged in by like exactly. what publishing That's sees as, yep. as popular trends. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think, you know, we, we have a ways to go as far as, um, you know, situations like that, but Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think we're doing, we're making great progress. We're making progress, you know, but I do think there's a ways to go, be that it's traditional publishing, indie publishing, um, people who might not look like us on the cover, you know, giving it like you were saying, you know, sometimes just, you know, giving it a chance to see what it's about. Well, and I think, you know, we need to push for some of these books to get more early attention so that these are books that people here talked about for a while before they come out. And that really builds that momentum so that people are looking forward to them and saying, oh yes, you know, this is coming out in a couple of weeks. I need to make sure to grab that or, you know, they pre-order it. I think pre-orders are one of the best things about book buying. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so very much for joining me today and sharing a little bit about you and your work. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? The best place to find me online and to find all of my work is uh, my website, SharonCooper.net. And through the website, they can um, find out, you know, where I'm at social media wise. Um, But I would suggest that they start with the website, SharonCooper.net. Perfect. And once again, this has been a discussion with author Sharon C. Cooper regarding her latest novel, in it to win it and this will be releasing in the u.s on tuesday december 13th all right so today is a very exciting new release day um, for a lot of reasons but also because this week we get an extra treat so yasmin gallinorn released a book earlier in January called Charmed to Death. But now on January 30th, she has released another new book. And so two books in a Yasmin Gallinor week, or I should say two Yasmin Gallinor books in a month 
is especially wondrous. So I want to talk about a couple of books that you've heard us mention previously before I actually start talking about the Yasmin goodness and all of the other stuff I'm excited about. I just needed to kind of clue you in as to why this release day is extra special. So one of my most anticipated January releases is out today, and this is The Davenports by Crystal Marquis. It is historical fiction set in the 1920s about four Black women. I am super excited for this one. Kristen is also looking forward to the latest Catherine Cowell novel, and this is the first book in a new series by her a romantic suspense title, and this is Whispers of You, Lost and Found, book one. Okay, so those are a couple of books that you've heard us mention previously. So let's move on now to some fantasy. And this is where I will talk about the new Yasmin Gallinorn book. So on January 30th, she released Witch's Web, Moonshadow Bay, book eight. This is paranormal women's fiction set in the same universe as her Whisper Hollow series and her Magic Happens series. Um, January Jackson is our heroine. We followed her through seven books before now, and the eighth one is finally here. So this one is Witch's Web, Moonshadow Bay, book eight, by the always fabulous Yasmin Gallinorn. We also have a new Annabelle Chase novel. This is Blaze of Fury, Federal Bureau of Magic, number 13 by Annabelle Chase. Brooke really, really likes this series. In fact, I think she has talked about it a couple of times on various like paranormal women's fiction episodes and some like lighter, you know, paranormal mystery episodes. Um, this is one that I have not read yet, although I really want to. She has um, a few other PWF uh, series as well, and she's just a very prolific author that Brooke and I think Georgina may also have read and really liked. So this, once again, is Blaze of Fury, Federal Bureau of Magic, book 13 by Annabelle Chase. We also have a standalone fantasy out this week. This is called Blood Circus by Camilla Victoire. This is kind of like the Hunger Games, but set in a circus setting. It talks about spectacle and all the cruelty that we know about, you know, that goes on in a circus or carnival setting and how this is sort of the backdrop for this kind of dystopian, uh, fantastical society. I am always intrigued by these types of things, and I will definitely be reading this. In fact, it should be popping onto my library um, hold shelf pretty soon because I believe I was first in line for it. Yay! This is Blood Circus by Camilla Victoire. If you like Cassandra Clare, then you are probably ready for Chain of Thorns, The Last Hours, book three. This is part of her pretty large um, Shadowhunter universe. Um, one of my favorite trilogies in this series is the Infernal Devices trilogy, which is set in kind of a, a steampunkish uh, Victorian London. So the characters in the 
Last Hours trilogy are the direct, I want to say the children of the characters from Infernal Devices. So I'm very, very excited about this. I have not read book one, although it has been sitting on my iPad for quite a while. Um, and I keep thinking about it. And then of course, as all of us know, it's so easy to get distracted by other books. But now that this trilogy is complete, I really need to bump up that first one and start it. So this one is Chain of Thorns, Last Hours, book three by Cassandra Clare. We also have Hex You. This is the third and final book in the Sisters of Salem series by Kristen Cast and TC Cast, a mother and daughter writing duo. Um, this is about twins who are witches in like a modern day Salem where witchcraft is real. Um, some of the, the synopsis kind of reminds me of the Carrie Maniscalco um, Kingdom of the Wicked series. I have not read either of these. And so that comparison, you know, do take it with a grain of salt because it is only as accurate as like my interpretation of both synopses. But this one is Hex You, Sisters of Salem, book three by PC Cast and Kristen Cast. I want to talk about a couple of young adult novels, um, young adult contemporaries. First up is the Cartographers by Amy Jean. This is about a teenage girl who goes off the grid in an attempt to come to a better understanding of her place in the world and how to balance that with her immigrant mother's very stringent expectations. This is The Cartographers by Amy Jean. We also have Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling by Elise Bryant. Um, Elise Bryant is an author who's been on my radar for the past couple of years. I know that Brooke has talked about her before. Um, a couple of her books have been featured on our monthly picks episodes in the past where we talk about our most anticipated releases. But um, this one, no one talked about for January. And that's kind of a shame because I've enjoyed what I've read by Elise Bryant. They are um, usually kind of lighthearted YA, but with deeper issues at their core. And this looks like it's going to be a YA romance. So this is Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling by Elise Bryant. And how about a historical novel? This one has gotten quite a bit of early buzz. I am looking forward to it. The hold list at my library is pretty long, so I might end up buying it. We'll see. This is River Sing Me Home by Eleanor Shear. It is the story of a Black woman's search for her children after the end of slavery. I think there's quite a bit more to this, but the synopsis um, isn't super detailed, so I don't want to speculate on things that I haven't read. Um, but this does look really, really good and is something that I will be reading either as soon as I buy it or as soon as the library hold comes in. This is River Sing Me Home by Eleanor Shearer. All right. How about some mystery thriller kind of things here? Because there are 
a lot of really great things coming out in these genres this week. So first up is The Black Queen by Hamada Emil. This is being billed as Pretty Little Liars for a new generation. Now, I was, I, I never was a fan of Pretty Little Liars, partly because like just the synopses didn't appeal to me, but this one really does. It is about a black girl who is supposed to be homecoming queen, but she's found murdered. And now people are trying to figure out what happened. This is one that I will be starting to read later today. I am super excited for it. It is The Black Queen by Humata Emil. We also have Exiles, Aaron Falk, book three, by Jane Harper. This is, according to publishers, the last Erin Falk book. If you remember several years ago, she wrote The Dry, which was her first novel featuring this police officer. And then um, there was a second one, and now here's the third and probably the last. She is an Australian writer compared to ton of French. And I think, you know, a lot of these comparisons aren't always very accurate, but I really like this one. I think Harper has a lot in common. If you love Tana French's writing, especially her Dublin Murder Squad books, I think that Harper's writing is a really good comp to that. So this one is Exiles, Erin Falk, book three by Jane Harper. If you like mysteries with a little bit of a supernatural element to them, then you probably have heard of C.J. Tudor, and they have a new book out this week called The Drift. Now, I have not read C.J. Tudor because I tend to prefer, unless I know, like if I'm really in a fantasy mood, I tend to prefer my mysteries just like straight up set in our world without a lot of magic or mysticism thrown in. Um, and so C.J. Tudor doesn't usually work for me. I know that Brooke has read a couple. I think the Chalk Man and maybe The Hiding Place are ones that she has mentioned reading and enjoying. So if you're looking for something that definitely has that mystery thriller feel, but also will toss you a little bit of the supernatural, then this author is one that you'll probably want to check out. And this week we have The Drift and it's the latest novel by CJ Tudor. And are we ready for a new Finley Donovan book? Of course we are. So this is Finley, Don Finley Donovan Jumps the Gun. Finley Donovan book three by El Casamano. The first book in this series, which is Finley Donovan is Killing It, just filled me with so much joy when I read it um, at the end of 2021. It was just a lot of fun, um, very, very clever writing and just a very cool twist on some of the mysteries and thrillers that I love so much. Finley Donovan is a fantastic character, very relatable, and she manages to get herself into all kinds of situations that probably aren't super plausible in real life, but feel really plausible as you're reading these books. So this is the third one, and it is Finley Donovan Jumps the Gun, and it is by El Casamano. Tessa Bailey is taking a stab at writing some romantic suspense with My Killer Vacation. Um, 
Stacy has read a Tessa Bailey romance, and I think Georgina has read a couple of them as well. Um, they tend to be lighter romances, um, more kind of on the rom-com end of some of the romance spectrum. But now we have some romantic suspense, and I'm kind of curious to see how she does with this. I think it would be an interesting shift if she was able to kind of layer this with some depth and some darkness. So this is one that I definitely will keep my eye out for. It is My Killer Vacation by Tessa Bailey. Kirsten Modlin is an author that I've heard quite a bit of good things about. And she has a book out this week called The Family Secret. Now, I have not read any of her books, partly because they tend to be short. And you've heard me say it, you know it's true. Short books tend to make me hostile. Um, I tend to feel like they're, they're very rushed and I just get invested in the novel and then it's over. So short mysteries are hard for me, but I do know that she has a couple of longer ones and this might be kind of a, a way for me to get a taste of her writing and then decide if I want to, you know, read the shorter books that I sort of have this like mental block against. Um, but so many people have told me that she is an incredibly gifted storyteller and that her twists you know, come out of nowhere, but are also believable at the same time. Like you can totally, once you know the twist, you can totally understand how the author came up with it um, is what I've been told. And hopefully I will check her out sometime in the near future. This is The Family Secret by Kirsten Modlin. And lastly, I have to give a nod to Brooke for this next book. This is Cheddar Late Then Dead, Grilled Cheese Mysteries, book three by Linda Riley. This is a cozy mystery. Most of you know that cozies are not necessarily my favorite types of mystery slash thrillers to read, but I have read a few that are very, very charming and made me a lot happier than I expected them to. When we did our last cozy episode, Brooke talked about the grilled cheese mystery series. And as a fan of a nice melty grilled cheese sandwich, especially on like that really thick Texas toast, I am a big fan of anything with a grilled cheese theme. So the idea that someone wrote a bunch of mysteries with like grilled cheese sort of titles and surrounding a grilled cheese cafe just makes me happy. So this is the third one and it is Cheddar Late Then Dead, Grilled Cheese Mysteries Book Three by Linda Riley. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope all of you are staying safe and warm. We are of course in the middle of another cold front here in the Midwest. Um, when my partner checked the wind chill last week, it was, or last week, no, last night, it was one degree. So that's not great. Anyway, I will be back with you next week, of course. Until then, do lots of great reading.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.